0: Bills Live, presented by Kaleida
1: Health. All right, here we are. Middle of the week.
2: Welcome to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker, here in our usual spots. And obviously talking draft, as we have been for the better part of the last month and a half. And plenty to discuss, because things continue to happen. Today is the last day, Steve, of pre-draft visits. This is... The deadline, a mere eight days before, <laughs> before draft night, and ESPN or ESPN, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport is reporting that the Bills are hosting a player today. Uh, yeah, on the last day, Deontay Banks, the cornerback from Maryland,
1: so Deontay Banks
2: projected to be a late first round pick. So that's pretty interesting, and. You know, we've talked about it a lot already, Steve. What's the likelihood of the Bills staying put, moving up, trading back? We heard Brandon Bean address the media yesterday saying he thinks it's more likely that they trade back but wouldn't rule out a move up the board, which he has more of a history of doing. He has never traded back in round one as the GM of the Bills. He has traded up three times in his six years overseeing drafts for the Bills. So... If you're forced to stay there and a player of the caliber of Deontay Banks is is sitting there, it's someone you're going to have to consider,
1: even though you just went cornerback in the first round last year. There's going to be some guys there that Bills fans are going to want. A lot of Bills fans are going to have their favorites. We all have our favorites. And some of our favorites are going to be available. More than one of our favorites, I would imagine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You and I talked about it. We have a, a Bills by the Numbers is coming out later today or tomorrow. And. We talk about how the draft board falls. It, there's always somebody there that's like, "Oh, we can get that guy. Let's get him," and then they pick somebody else. Bill's, uh-huh. I mean, every team does that. Every fan base, every club. So that's kind of where we're sitting. And you see these guys come in. It's like, oh, Deontay Banks. All right, I can get behind that. You know, a little bit, He's a good player. You know, any one of these guys we get at 27, there's going to be some pressure to see him quick. Like there was last year with Elam, like there has been with with you know other first round picks, Ed, um, you go down the list, Rousseau. Yeah, it's, you know, you want to see these guys and you want to see them fast. Yeah, and they and they, and there's reason to believe they should be, on the field. I will say that just for those that
2: aren't terribly familiar with Deontay Banks. Six feet one ninety-seven, ran a four-three-five at the combine. One-four-five split, forty-two-inch vertical, eleven-foot-four broad jump, all good numbers there. And he has the athleticism and deep speed from what I saw on tape to plaster throughout the route. Um, gets his hands in the passing lanes a lot. Had a lot of PBU's. Probably should have more interceptions. But more often than not, it's because he just doesn't get his head around fast enough. That's coachable, as I see it. That's a fixable thing. And really good in run support, which we know Coach McDermott covets in his corners. Run support is a must. And he's got the size to kind of match up with the bigger, taller wideouts. So that's why he is widely considered a first-round prospect later in the first round, but down in that territory where the Bills figure to be picking provided they stay where they are, yeah. you know, at 27. So.
1: The range of evaluations from one team to the next and from all 32 teams is vast. So that's why you get so, you know, caught by teams like last year. And we keep talking about it. Like last year when the Patriots take Cole Strange in the first round, and he was, a th- for most teams, he was a third-round guy. Third! Not like a second, a third. Yeah. So, you know, you, you talk about, you know, how these teams evaluate. There's vast differences. So, somebody is going to slip down there to the Buffalo Bills at 27 or get close to the 27th pick like at 24, 25, and Brandon Bean's going to go, oh, my gosh, that guy. He Brandon Bean is going to have one of those guys where he thinks that guy could step on the field right away. Right away. I mean, because that's the only way you jump up, right? Uh That guy's going to, we can get him on the field right away. He can help us. And it's a really good team the Bills have. That happens. He's like, I got to go get him. And there are other teams who are like, I'm not going to, I wouldn't jump, I wouldn't flip flop picks for that guy, right? That's just the way it is. And that's why there's so uncertainty, so much uncertainty. You got guys like Deontay Banks showing up. You got defensive tackles showing up on visits. You got edge rushers showing up on visits, out here, linebackers. You never know. That that's the fun of it. I can't wait for a week from tomorrow night. We had, tell them how many tra- how many trades did they have last year? Nine. Nine first round trades. The night of the draft, they were night. there. Were even some leading up to the draft before it even started. Yeah, forget all the forget all the leading up like today now that you know the dolphins don't have a first round pick. Forget all that stuff. That means once the light comes on and you know, Carolina's on the clock, nine trades. I think it's the most compelling live television on on t- there is. Well, it is cuz
2: it's reality television played out live in real time. Nothing is contrived. Because you got 32 teams competing to improve themselves. They stage the whole thing, and nobody knows what's going to happen. Exactly. And that's why it's as good as it is. So, yeah. I mean, I, <clears throat> I think with the wide range – and I, try, I asked Brandon Bean about this yesterday. I said, look, there is the, there is the general perception out there – that the range of draft grades on prospects is even more wide ranging than it usually is. There is always going to be a range of grades because one player may fit what a team does better than the other team. And so the team that he fits is going to naturally give him a higher grade than the team that doesn't believe he fits what they do defensively, offensively, schematically, whatever. So that's why there is a range of grades to begin with. But, it's the skill sets of the player this year, especially like at the receiver position right. where some teams absolutely love what this guy does. And then there's other teams like, oh man, is he going to hold up? Is he durable oh, enough? Yeah. He's tiny. We you need got- big guys outside. This guy's a slot only. I don't know if Here's I want to put thing. And so because of that, you can, you can view it one of two ways as a GM, in my opinion, that's either an enormous opportunity because there might be somebody you have a solid draft grade on in round one, and there might only be eight other teams that feel similarly. Well, now that's a guy that may fall to you at 27 because there's only 10 teams that like him as much as you do. Right. At the same time, (laughs) you got to be a little wary because you might feel safe on a guy at 27, and there might be five teams in the top of round two looking to get in front of you because they like him just as much as you do. And now it's just like, oh, boy, we're going to get leapfrogged. Now, that, that danger always exists in every draft, but I think it is even more prevalent this year because of the uncertainty as to who's got who graded right. how high. So I think it's an advantage. And something you got to be wary of at the same time. That's a weird way to
1: go into a draft, isn't it? So much, yes. So much of the draft is about measurables. It used to be all about measurables because they didn't spend time getting to know these. They didn't spend the money to go get to know these guys. You know, the, as the league has gotten more lucrative, it's gotten more lucrative everywhere. They've spent more money on evaluations where they go in, and they bring these guys in, and talk to them, they get them on a whiteboard and say, "What do you think of this? What do you? What's your assignment here? What do you do here?" They they talk to them. It used to be. You it it was like playing cards. You didn't know what that other guy had. You didn't know. Right. You said, "Well, he looks good on tape." Okay, grab him. And then you get in there, and the guy doesn't speak English. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm exaggerating to make a point, but that's the kind of thing you're looking at. Now, they crawl inside this guy's high school coach's mind. Well, what kind of player was he? What did he do? What was he like? What Was his family like? Talk to his mom. Talk to his dad. Talk to his little loop coach. All of that stuff comes out. So you get these guys, and now it, the measurables are, like, kicked down a little bit. But there's still this conversation. I mean, I'm a, I'm a guy like that. I was a guy, you know, the, my measurables were limited, right? But here's the thing. There's always the conversation of where the limit is. How yeah. small or light or tall or thin can a guy be and be effective in the position you want him to play? We're, t- we're talking about running backs today. Deuce Vaughn, Kansas State, productive player, pillar of that team, Kansas State team that went to a bowl game, was in the conversation for the whole thing until about halfway through the season. They were doing it. The guy's 5'5". Five, five. Yeah. 5'5". Five, 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 five. Yeah. I was looking at highlights today of a running back. A-chain. Yeah, Devon A-chain. Devon A-chain. He's 5'8", 188. But he is fast. But, but yeah, that guy is – like, I'm I'm watching him and I'm going – you can't even say, "Wow, this guy's this guy's explosive." This guy can burn it. You just gotta say, "Wow, he's re- he's really fast." Yeah, he's really fast. So, but he's 180 Yeah, you get these things. Okay, great. All right, or this guy. Look at this guy over here. He's six nine. What? He's yeah, he's six nine. You, you, yeah, that sounds good. But he weighs a buck eighty. You know yeah. that kind of thing. But if
2: they, but if their measurables aren't great, but they test exceptionally well. There are teams out there that will make the
1: exception. You get a guy 5'5 or 5'6, 5'7, 5'8. Remember Robert Newhouse, the old um, Dallas Cowboys fullback? He was like 5'9, 5'10. And he was a fullback, but he would fill up a doorway from the doorknob down. You know, he was. Fire height. He was packed. Yeah. But that's what you got to look at. And you look at their film and stuff, and then you got to ask yourself, okay. Yeah, he can play. He's a great dude, kind of guy you want. But when I hand him the football, am I going to be able to do it 10 times a game and have him play 17 full games in the National Football League? Darren Sproles was five five. Darren Spro- That's the guy I was trying to think of. Sproles. Can he hold up? Another Kansas State guy, by that's the way. That's right. Can he hold up? Can he physically last 17 games – in the regular season of the National Football League. And there are a lot of guys you got to think, you're looking at them going, oh, I don't know. Some of these guys come out, they look great, never been hurt in their life, and they can't stay healthy at the NFL level. And then yeah. you get other guys, all of a sudden they get in there and they, they play every down. You just never know. But that's what you got to ask yourself. And the, And the conversation has changed over the years, right? I mean, like you said, we think this guy can really play. And we everything about him is great, his measurables aren't what they should be, so he's going to drop to us. we're going to get him. I mean you know he, you take your chances yeah eight oh three oh five fifty the number to get on board one
2: eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. We're talking about a trade up scenario for the bills. We saw them do it just last year, trading up from where were they twenty five to twenty three and they took Kair Elam so the question for you today is what prospect would prompt you to trade up like the Bills did last year? We're talking just a couple of spots. Somebody's sliding a little bit further than you anticipated, and you want to be aggressive. What prospect would it be who would prompt you to trade up two spots like the Bills did last year? 803 0550 1 888 550 2550, the number to get on board. Let's go to the phones now, and leading us off today is Chuck in Hamburg. What do you got for us, Chuck? Yeah, I just have
3: a quick question for either you or Steve. Yeah. I understand everything that goes on at the Combine as if during evaluations. How does the broad jump come into play in the NFL? It measures like – a- yeah, it of- – in scrimmage, and somebody has to jump over it to make a tackle? No, no, no. no. no.
2: It's about explosiveness, Chuck. It me- it- it's an explosiveness measurement.
1: They, they think it correlates to how fast you can accelerate from a standing start to full speed kind of thing. Yeah. That's why they, they do it that way, and they also do it um, – they take – you know, they run the 40, which is obvious. Everybody watch them run the 40. But they during the 40 time, they'll take a 10-yard split and a 20-yard split. They know how fast they ran a 10. How fast they run a twenty, and how fast obviously they ran the forty, the full thing as well. They they time all of that, and then the fastest, the shortest thing they do is is the broad jump. So they go to ten yard split and how far they can jump with two feet. Yeah, it's explosion, and they think that correlates sometimes to uh, a player's ability to be quick kind of in a short area. Yeah, a quick in so, a short area. It's not there's speed and there's quickness and there's a difference. They
2: do the 10-yard split to measure explosiveness that's most important for pass rushers, defensive tackles because that 10-yard split gives personnel evaluators a measurement as to how quick they can get off the ball, for example. It's also important for receivers. How quick can they get off their release, you know, at the line of scrimmage? Uh, how quick can they get up to top speed. So those are measurements for doing that and the broad jump is an extension of the
1: 10 yard split. It's it's like the shortest race you can run and you try and make it the shortest race and make it the longest, you know like you jump the farthest. It's like th- that's basically what it is. It's the shortest split time you can have and they don't even measure it in time, they measure it in distance. That's kind of what it is. It's a race measured with the distance rather than the time that you run it in. Let's go. That's one way to put it. Yeah.
2: So hopefully that helps Uh, Chuck. Let's go to Doug in Buffalo next. What do you got for us, Doug? You're on one bills live.
3: Steve, I was wondering if you could tell me what kind of sway you might have with the bills in regards to a friend of a kid I've known since he was born. He's an inside linebacker for Notre Dame, Bo Bauer. And he's a long snapper. He was captain of their special teams, both, uh, you know, and Steve would well know about this, both on punt returns, punts, kickoffs, kickoff returns. And he was projected as a third or maybe fourth-round pick, but he had a knee injury in practice. He's uh, three months ahead of schedule. And the Bills, I don't think, have him on the radar yet. I know that the Patriots, the Colts, the Jets... The Texans and I believe Dallas has got him coming in, on that uh, I think they can bring in 30 players or something if they're undrafted. He was projected to be third or fourth round, but now I guess he's going to be an undrafted uh, rookie free agent. And I was wondering if you could tell me whether or not the Bills would have him on the radar, or if you have, you know, if you did your look to look them up, he was projected uh, like a fifth round pick. Or a fifth round uh, linebacker in the country when he came out of Cathedral Prep. So just tell me what your thoughts might be on the Bills looking
1: at him. Well, here's the thing. Here's what. Here's all I know about him. Six two. He's two thirty five out of Notre Dame. You're right. He's gonna. Pro- he probably will go. Uh, he will probably go undrafted. And there's no doubt that he's on the Bills draft board. They will know who he is. And what'll happen is if Bo doesn't get drafted uh, out of Notre Dame because of his injury then his phone will ring quickly uh, with a, a number of teams wanting to sign him as a, a preferred free agent, a preferred rookie free agent. Um, that's what will happen. You're right. that The injury hurts him, no question. Uh, I've got him listed as a 4-6-5-40 time, uh, and – yeah, and like you said, he's had a uh, his hometown is listed as Harbor Creek PA. Is that where you're talking about you're being from? he's not, he's not right. right now. Okay. But he went to Cathedral Prep, which is an Erie PA. Right. So, um, yeah, there's a these teams will know him. I tell kids this all the time. Um, my son actually spoke to a group of high school kids the other day. Um, you get a chance to talk to young people if you're a former professional athlete. And my message is always this. You, it's bet, more important for me, in, in my opinion, and I'm an old guy, so I'm, it may be wrong because uh, things change. It's more important for you to find the right college or university to attend than it is to go to the biggest possible place you can go to. Uh, for me, wherever you choose to go to college as a football player, it's what you make it rather than what happens to you. You've got to make it the best you can and You've got to make the most of the opportunity that's given to you by your decision. Um, I know it's different now with NILs and guys transfer portal; they can transfer if they want, and that's fine for a lot of guys. But not everybody needs to do that. So for you, for a player, you need to go and make the most of it. And that's what Bo Bauer is up against. You go out, and whatever happens, whether it's uh, whether it's an undrafted rookie free agent, or whether he gets drafted late in the in the draft. He's gonna get an opportunity, and that's when it becomes important. Um it it doesn't it doesn't really matter where you go to school for these guys, whether it's Notre Dame or UB. They'll find you. So Bo Bauer is on the on the radar of all of these teams. All of them. Yeah. But I think the general consensus is the injury hurts him
2: precipitously. It's bad timing, it's unfortunate. It's Bad timing, that's all and he's probably gonna be a
1: an undrafted rookie signing. I'll say this of some team. I'll say this though for if if Beau was here I would tell him this I, and I know it's discouraging for him because you get an injury it's like oh now they're not going to draft they may not but the injury depending you know obviously if it's an injury he can bounce back from and, and other guys probably have hundreds of guys have probably done that. It's not going to hurt his ability to be a pro football player any worse than if he had not been injured. If he had if he's destined to be an NFL player he's going to be an NFL player. This, an injury, will say it may you may not have the the great start that you would have if you'd gotten drafted. But if you can be an NFL linebacker, you're still going to get the chance to do that, and you, you'll be able to make the most of that opportunity. That's my message to those kids. Yeah. Doesn't matter where you go, they're going to find you. If you're good enough, they'll find you. Let's go back to the phones, and we go to
2: Dan on a cell next. What do you got for us, Dan?
1: Hey, Steve,
2: Dan
4: from East Addo.
1: Hey, Dan. So, you're talking
4: about guys 5 5 playing 17 games. I was telling a, a friend of mine recently, Bills aren't built to play 17 games. They're built to play 20, 21 games. And even 5 5 guys or guys in their 30s, however, having, having, having a hard time making it through that schedule. As you well know, I've done the math. Four Super Bowls, you played the equivalent of almost five seasons because you had 13 home, you know, and away playoff games. And, four years so i'll hang up and listen to your comments on a 30 year old making a 20 week season
1: yeah it's hard you're right it it's not getting easier to play despite what you hear about guy you know the game being softer the game is not softer it's just safer there's a difference um these guys are playing at a very high level they're, the rules are constricting them as to where how badly they can hurt each other but it's not constricting them as to how hard it is to play and how physical the game is um, and it's a real thing you're right, and you're right 17 games is the regular season i was talking about um, and there you know you go 17 then 18's the wild card 19's divisional 20 is the championship game and 21 would be the super bowl um and then add three preseason games onto that. Uh, most of these guys wouldn't play them, but they still got to be ready and get get ready to play them. Uh, so that's 24 games. And you're right. We did that for four straight years. Plus, we played an extra preseason. and We had five preseason games at one point because we played in an American Bowl. Yeah. Um, twice. So, yeah, there were times when there were like two of the four years of the Super Bowl, we played 25 games. Um. So it's it's a long – it's a drag. It takes a toll. (laughs) It's a drag. So it is a real thing. Durability is a real concern for a lot of teams. And the smaller and lighter you are, the less your chances of being able to sustain the collisions and the physicality of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, the Velocity is off the charts because all these guys are really, really fast. So if you're a a guy that's a buck 85 like I was – and you're getting hit by a pretty fast 300-pounder, that's a lot of momentum and a lot of inertia that goes right through you. Uh, you got to be able to stand up to it, and a lot of guys can't. That's why the, the com- we were talking about the conversation is always had. What is the smallest you can be and still play? You know, There are exceptions, but not a lot of them. You can be tough, but that doesn't make you durable. You can – everybody plays hurt. Everybody's tough to a certain extent. That means playing with discomfort. You know, you're going to be able to shake off a hurt or play when you're not feeling really good because you got, you know, you got your knee or your ankle, or your whatever, you name it. Something got whacked. You got to live with it for a couple of weeks while it heals up. You can play through that, and that means you know, kind of a tough guy to do that. Right. But that doesn't mean you can play with a busted leg. You, you know, I don't care how tough you are. It ain't happening. Yeah. Right. So um, that's that's the conversation that always happens. and, And that's the line that is ever changing about how small can you be to play in the NFL. And as the game changed with rules
2: changes, absolutely protecting the safety of players, particularly receivers, to allow more smaller receivers to to have fruitful careers that last longer than maybe they did 10, 12 years ago. Well, then that widens the range of what an NFL team or a personnel staff is going to evaluate a prospect differently. Well, the rules are different. They can't get tagged across the middle anymore, can't hit a guy in the head or neck area. You you know what I mean? Concussions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's still a collision sport, but it is a far safer game. So does that open the door for more diminutive receivers in stature
1: to get higher grades in the draft. And here's another thing, too. Some teams won't do it until they see another team do it. Yeah. All right. Wes Welker came in, had a great career. You know, Don Beebe comes in. Yeah. Hank Bauer back in the 70s. Lou Picone back in the 80s with the with the Bills. There are guys of, of our stature. Wayne Crebet. Wayne Crebet. Uh, you know, you can go down the list now of guys that you start seeing it more and more. And you just said Darren Sproles. Yep. Um, you know, I said Robert Newhouse. Guys throughout the you know, every decade, you'll see guys yeah. beat those odds and be really productive players, um, and you know, be able to do it. And then other teams will say, Well, okay, he did it, and I I see it. And that that guy was killing us for about, you know, his career. Welker's career was cut short
2: by concussions. Corbett. Corbett's career was cut short by concussions. BBs. So now, right, but now you have a safer game. I think we can all agree on that. Better helmets. on the rule changes. The equipments are better. Better helmets. And so defenders have had to play differently. They can't play as violently or as aggressively. Head and neck area hits, defenseless receivers, and the like. And I would venture to guess that it has changed the way personnel evaluators evaluate receivers. And I think that's why you're – A guy like Zay Flowers, who could be a first-round pick, maybe he's not a first-round pick 15 years ago. He's a late-day two pick. Why? Primarily because of his size. Now, there's always, as we said, there's always going to be exceptions. Marvin Harrison is an example of that. That guy played in a more violent NFL and was still a first-round draft choice. But I I think they, they are graded and evaluated differently because the sport is safer. Let's go back to the phones and to Dennis in North Carolina. As we are asking you today, what prospect would you trade up a couple of spots to take for the bills? Dennis in North Carolina is next. What do you got for us, Dennis?
3: Hey, I, I would love to see uh, Buffalo trade up and take Jalen Hyatt. The reason is because a lot of receivers, I think are on one year contracts and Jalen Hyatt has really good speed and it would be really cool if, you know, this is not going to happen. But let's say if, uh, draft a uh, Jaden Jay, uh, Hooker from Tennessee. I know I know other teams going to get him before Buffalo, of course. But I mean, look how good he done for Tennessee. His the offense he ran and let yards groom him, or have an emergency backup. I think that would be really cool.
2: All right, Dennis. Not bad. I mean, I'm willing to move up for a receiver that I like. My guy isn't Jalen Hyatt. um, And I know we can't really trust the mock drafts, (laughs) but more often than not, Jalen Hyatt's going toward the end of round one, even early round two. So you may not even have to trade up for that guy,
1: but that's a you know I don't mind that pick. I say this though, the I'm looking at a, a website now. It's got Jalen Hyatt as the number three wide receiver in the entire yeah, draft. It
2: varies, and and we won't know. And he's and, six foot. Yeah, but and he's, he's
1: slight. He's 175 pounds. He can fly,
2: <clears throat> limited route tree. So you don't know. You know how versatile the receiver is he in terms of route running ability. You know when he's only running corners, posts, and goes. You know it's kind of hard to ascertain. Hey, can this guy win over the middle? Um, you know, can he? Double-move people. You know, he's usually just getting behind the defense and then bombs
1: away. Yeah, the the thing about – there's certain skills coaches feel like they can teach. And there's certain skills that coaches know that a player can improve himself. And then there's certain things that, you know, just are what they are. A skill that a player can – a skill that a coach can teach and a player can really work on is route running. A player can learn to run routes. You can do it. It's it's a skill. And it's something that you just practice. You get coaching on. You practice it. You go through the tick. Same thing. Same thing with catching the ball. You go out and you catch the ball. You catch the jugs machine. You do it. You can work on certain skills. And some teams, and I know this is just one more layer to this onion we've been talking about and how things are different for every team. Some teams have more faith in their ability to make guys better than other teams do. And some teams have more have less faith in their ability mm-hmm. to do that. Or don't think about that. If the guy's not going to be good, we're not going to take him, you know? They don't think about the development of a player as much as other teams do. And when you talk to a kid, you get the idea, wow, this kid really wants to be a lot better. He wants to get better. He's going to work at this. Then you get other kids that are just like, oh, he is what he he's going to be this guy f- for his entire career. All of that goes into the onion and it's one more layer you have to sift through. But they're like route running some of these kids will come out and they won't be good route runners but they'll have everything else mm-hmm. I mean you can even get faster you know these guys practice the 40yard dash but I don't know that you play faster all that stuff goes into the mix what skills can a guy learn and get better at and what skills are he's, is he not going to be able to fix and that's another layer of this onion you got like Jalen Hyatt is a great example of that can he learn to run routes I would think yeah but it's got to be inside of him. He's got to do it. Yeah. We have to take
2: a break here because we're up against the break. Chris in Hamburg will lead us off, so stay where you are, Chris, and others holding at 803-0550. But we do have open lines for you. What prospect would prompt you to trade up two spots like the Bills did last year when they got Kyrie Elam? You let us know at 803-0550, 550 2550 The numbers to get on board. We're taking your phone calls next year on One Bills Live. Presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you here on a Wednesday talking draft and talking Bills pick 27 in round one. What prospect would prompt you to trade up two spots like the Bills did last year when they got Kyir Elam? What player, if they slide ever so slightly, will prompt you to pick up the phone and talk turkey with another team to make a trade up the board? You let us know at 803-0550, 550 2550 Number to get on board. Got an open line for you there. Actually got a couple open lines for you. But we go back to the phones and to Chris in Hamburg. What do you got for us, Chris?
4: Hey, guys. How you doing? Good, good. Good, man. I love your show. I've been watching it for a while. Um, I actually would go with Quinton Johnson. If I can get two, two, three picks, you know, maybe get them at 24, 25, 26, mm-hmm. I mean, I know that they say that he's a body catcher, catches the ball off his body, not with his hands. I mean, I think that could be coached. I really do. I mean, that they could coach out of him. But what I like about him, man, he's 6'4", 215. These small guys, man, it's just hard. You know, I mean, they get beat up. I know he's not really a slot guy too much, but, you know, these smaller guys, these smaller receivers, and I'm not saying all of them, but they get beat up. And, you know, that's actually – all I wanted to say about that. But I did have one question for Steve because I love Steve. He said that he had a dog named Vern. I just wanted to make sure his dog was named Vern because I have a dog named Vern. And I don't hear too many people that have dogs named Vern. And my wife started laughing the other day when I told her that um, Steve Tasker has a dog named Vern.
1: I do have a dog named Vern. That is confirmed. Yes. I have a French French bulldog. bulldog named Vern. My wife gave him to me as a gift. He's my Next to Brown, he's my best friend. (laughs) <laughs>
2: so, uh, wow, but that, I, I take that as a major compliment right. Knowing how much you love that dog
1: Yeah, Quentin Johnston has some questions about him He's big dude, fast um, He doesn't catch it real well, like you said He's a body catcher He's got some drops, yeah um, And uh, and let's face it If there's one thing that made people puke last year was because this team dropped too many throws
2: Second in the league and drop passes it,
1: I don't want another one of those guys Um, I'll say this: Last year, if the Bills don't drop, if they cut their drops in half and their turnovers in half, they would have been undefeated in the regular season. Absolutely undefeated in the regular season, and it wouldn't have been close. If they cut their drops in half and their fumbles or and interceptions in half, they would have been undefeated in the regular season. Um, That's how much of a drag those two statistics were on this team. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm, I'm, I get you about John. He's got a lot of ability, a lot of, but that I'm still got a bad taste in my mouth about that stat and I don't want any more of it. I get it. You I know totally what I mean? Get it. I mean, it's irrational, irrational me to think that, but that's where I'm at.
2: Let's um, let's do this, Steve. Why don't you tell me if there is a player or two that you would willingly trade up for? Is there a besides Devon? Just a couple A-Chain, of spots
1: besides the yeah. running back, Devon A. Chain, your new favorite
2: guy, Devon A. Chain. Uh,
1: I would say, yeah, there might be. There might. I might go. I might jump up for my pick of Drew Sanders or Jack Campbell. Uh, certainly one of the big time. You dude.
2: trade up in round one for Jack Campbell. You think you have to do Depend. that? Depends.
1: Yeah, because I, here's what I told you. I think I don't
2: know if I have to do that.
1: I th- you may not, but Dallas needs the exact same kind of players that Buffalo needs. They, they lost a the middle linebacker, they got, you know, tight end they lost. So I'm they're kind of right where the Bills are, and they're at twenty-six. So you might have to get it feel like you have to get ahead of Dallas to make that choice. But if you've got but it might be that if you have both those guys on the board, I'm like, nah, eh, I'll take either one of them, right? Uh, if one of the big-time defensive tackles starts to get down that way, and there's a list, probably two or three, that I would jump for, I might do that. I think there's going to be enough offensive tackles left on the board. The Bills will be all right at that spot. They won't have to jump over anybody to get one of the good ones. I think there's too many of those out there. Um, I don't think the Bills would jump two spots for an edge. And I don't think they'd jump two spots for a tight end. So you're looking at like yeah, what? Corner, do. defensive tackle, and maybe one of the top linebackers, those top two linebackers.
2: For me, I'm only doing it for an offensive tackle. Or if I'm in a situation, like let's just say Darnell Wright is still there. Yeah. And he's two spots away. I'm going up and I'm getting him. I don't think Broderick Jones or somebody like that's going to slide that far. But if a Darnell Wright is is still there, you know, at 25, I'm calling my buddy Joe Shane and the Giants, and I'm saying, hey, can we just swap picks? I got a guy I need to get here. Right. And I'll flip you my fourth. I, I, I would do that. And then the only other scenario in which I would do it, if I have a pretty high first-round grade on one of these top three receivers on my board, whoever it is, and, and much like last year with Kyrie Elam, if it's the last of the three guys and he's still there at 25, I'm calling for that too. Right. That's about it, though. Offensive tackle, receiver, on under those two specific scenarios.
1: One, one of the things that scares me about Darnell Washington, the big tight end out of Georgia, he's six six and a half, two sixty. 260, He's like an offensive tackle. He's primarily a blocker at Georgia, but he did show some flashes as a receiving tight end, and he's a big, big dude, obviously. He reminds me of a guy like Mercedes Lewis. He's going to be a longtime professional tight end because of his size and never spectacular, never a difference maker. Mm -hmm. Great Mercedes Lewis is a great guy, great leader, veteran, got a lot of wisdom in the locker room. But he is not a difference maker. He's gonna be a pro for, you know, Darnell Washington's gonna be a pro for 15 years if he wants to be, because of his size and his athleticism. But guys like Mercedes Lewis, a big tight end who played for Jacksonville for a long time, now has been with Green Bay for a number of years, are just a guy. Yeah. They they can still play because they've gained so much knowledge but they will always and forever be considered underachievers because of their physical gifts that are used more for longevity rather than spectacular play.
2: I get that. I do. Um, He is an elite physical trait athlete. Elite physical
1: traits. Yeah, I'm not moving up for a tight end. I'm sorry. Who's the tight end that was just here we got from Atlanta? Uh, No, from uh, Tampa Bay and was with us in training camp. O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard. There you go. As an O.J. Howard type, uh, O.J. Howard um, continues to get opportunities because of his athletic traits. He has yet to wow anybody. In fact, he couldn't make this team last year. That's right. Landed in Houston. Um, When he came out, O.J. Howard was considered, as a high draft pick, considered – a steal by the Tampa Bay Bucks, and they got him, and I believe in the top ten. So, guys like that, because they've never been taxed physically on the football field, because the competition just can't live up to their to the tools they bring to the table, they never get pushed. Right. So they never improve. Now that's that's a concern of mine. Guys that are so physically gifted, like some of these guys are, like like Jadavian clownies of the world. You know? You just some of these guys are are spectacularly gifted. And because of that, they never put it they have never in their lives put it in gear. And that's because it's always been easy. Yeah. And it's easy, and all then they get here, and it's like,
2: oh my gosh, I got to work hard. Well,
1: well, either that, or they get here and they say, I don't have to work hard. I can still do this, and I may not be spectacular, but I'm going to play for a long time, and that's the key. I'll just keep playing. Yeah, I'll keep making seven figures every year, socking it away. When I'm done, I'll be done, and I'll and I'll stroll off or drive off on my golf cart into the sunset. Yeah, you know that's what these guys. That's what they do. Particularly a guy who gets drafted in the top half of the first round. He's he's done. Immediately. Right. He's He's got guaranteed $10 bucks in the bank if he does it right at the end of the contract. Right.
2: That's why I think I'm only moving up a couple of spots for the quote-unquote money premium positions. Yeah. That's quarterback. That's wide receiver. That's offensive tackle, pass rusher, corner receiver. That's it. I'm not trading up for a tight end. I'm not trading up for a running back. I'm not trading up for a guard or a center.
1: Like, I'm just. not. I'll say this: there are certain there are certain guys we have seen, well, like Quentin Nelson, an offensive guard taken by the sixth. Colts sixth overall, a rookie All Pro as a guard. Bless his heart, they signed him to an extension as soon as they could, and and he has disappeared. Take
2: it, take it out again. He's
1: disappeared. Um, okay, not everybody's going to disappear. Right. Some guys are motivated by contracts like that, instead of disengaged. Yeah. You know, it's not a finish line for them. Um, Peyton Manning was that way. He signed a fifty-three million dollar contract twenty years ago, and everybody's like, they couldn't get it. They, they couldn't. Unbelieve. It was unbelievable. And they asked him what he was going to do, and he says, "I'm going to earn it." Josh said the <laughs> same thing a couple of years ago. <laughs> that's a different guy. Yeah. Those guys are different. I'm going to earn every. I'm going to make it a bargain. That's what Tom Brady told Roger Robert Kraft when they drafted him. I'm going to make this the smartest draft pick you've ever made. They're motivated by the opportunity. They're motivated by the big contract. They feel responsible for it. That's a different cat than a guy who says I made it. Yeah. That's that is the the holy grail of drafting when you find a guy like that. We have to take a break here. When we
2: come back, more of your thoughts as we crack open the tweet sheet to see what prospect would prompt you to trade up two spots like the Bills did last year when they got Kyer Elam in round one. Or you can let us know on the phones, 803 550 the number to get on board as we are talking to you. More of your phone calls next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here on One Bills Live, Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, talking about Buffalo's picket 27. Is there a prospect that would prompt you to trade up just a couple of spots to secure said prospect, much like the Bills did last year when they moved up two spots to get Kyrie Elam? 803-0550, the number to get on board, one 550 we are going to go to the tweet sheet, though, see what you have to say there. Tweet sheet brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company. Of the Buffalo Bills, leading us off is the Duke of Blaisdell, who says trade picks for more picks. Make sure you have two picks in round two and grab the best wide receiver and linebacker, Jack Campbell. Um, so he's saying, forget about trading up; trade back and get some extra draft
1: capital, knowing the Bills only have six picks going into this thing right now. I agree with that. I can love. I, I can get on behind that. The more I like it, the more picks you get, the better. Um, you can. I don't not just as likely but you're just as likely I say just as likely. you you can get starters on the second and third day of the draft they don't have to be the first day day one Hmm. to be a starter we've seen it before with this team Milano's an example Taron Johnson example Gabe Davis is an example you can get really good players um and you can get really good players as rookie free agents. I bring it up again. Levi Wallace was a four-year starter for this club all the way to the AFC Championship game. Um, and they tried to replace him all the time and could not get it done. So, I would love it if we had – Dane Jackson's a seven. I, I'd take – instead of six picks, I'd take 12 picks from the third round on and like it better. You know what I mean? Um, I just – I just love draft picks. I'm not. I'm not like the LA Rams. That's for sure. I think the more draft picks (laughs) you get, the better you get, not the worse. Yeah. Uh,
2: Let's go, Buffalo says. I would trade up for Bijan, maybe Jordan Addison. I'm telling you, Bijan's going in the top 15. Mark it down. He's just too good. He's not. He's not going to be anywhere within a sniff of where the Bills are picking. I'll be stunned if he is because he is a he is a supreme talent uh, and he is an exception to the running back rule. I think he's gone way before the Bills can even consider him. As we heard Brandon Bean say the other day, when we're about five, six picks away, that's when we really start zeroing in on what our options are and whether we want to stay there and what's happening in front of us may prompt us to move up or down. So I don't think he even gets to that territory. I'm um, yeah, I'm Jordan Addison. I, I like, I would, I like it. This is just me talking. I like him enough where I would go up a couple of spots. The reason why is all the production and the route running skills are great. I believe just from what I've heard from people around the pit program, say, I know he went to USC last year, but I think he's just got, that dog mentality
1: um we saw it. it
2: we saw it with the kid that the Steelers took out of Georgia last year George Pickens he's out there on the practice field and training camp talking smack to Minka
1: Fitzpatrick
2: <laughs> like there are guys that have that mindset have some
1: stones to in do order that. to succeed
2: it. and right. I think right. Addison has some of that in him and that's that's not a tell all quality but I think if you combine the production with that kind of drive to succeed, like, I'm, I'm going to be the best, and I'm going to tell you I'm the best, and I'm going to prove it. Right. Those are the kinds
1: of players I want on a roster. All right. What do you think about the conversation we had during the break? <clears throat> this One of the defensive tackles. Elijah uh, Kansi. It has come about that he has taken zero, count them, zero, top 30 visits to any NFL team.
2: Now, can you explain whether or not that was by his choosing or
1: no teams invited him on pre-draft visits? Do you he, know what I'm saying? He did have he did have some meetings with the Rams and the Saints before Pitt's Pro Day. And teams can host up to, I'm quoting an article, can host up to 30 players for interviews and medical evaluations at their own facilities with the players who live or go to college in the local area, not counting towards those top 30. They often use those those visits, uh, you know, dig a little little deeper. Cancy's um, 22 years old. He's a two-year starter at Pittsburgh, named to the, th- the freshman All-American team in 2020, third team All-American in twenty one, and a an unanimous first team All-American in 2022, as well as the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, led his team in sacks and tackles for loss Are also. Yes, he. Oh, yes, he Does set it, the he set the uh, the combine, combine record. Yeah, he for ran the a four, forty six, yard dash. Ran a four six seven at two eighty or something, whatever he is. So he had no top thirty visits after that. Yeah, I'm and I was telling Brownie that to me, <laughs> somebody's taking Kalijah Cansey top ten. I don't know about top 10. top ten. I think top twenty. Yes, top ten. All right, here we go. If he goes from eight to twelve, it's a push. <laughs> but if he's eight or if he's above here's eight, here's what no, nine to nine to nine to twelve. Here's what hurts Collage. Jalen
2: Carter's status sliding a little bit.
1: That helps him. No, I, I think he's it, the, re, he's the I guy you're going to take instead.
2: No, no, I don't think you do that. I think Carter still goes before him, and I think because of the off the field stuff and some of those things, instead of him going two, he probably goes seven or eight somewhere in there, and that pushes Canty down in the ten to twenty range.
1: No, so I think he goes down there somewhere. I think Canty, and you can't forget he's me,
2: six foot one.
1: Let me look. I'm, and he's I'm got thirty right now, inch arms. This kind of thing is exactly what makes a guy like Canty jump, leapfrog a guy who's physically better, like a. I'm not gonna say he's gonna leapfrog Carter. But yes. <laughs> okay. I'm telling you, Kalija we'll we'll He's going top ten. Ten <sighs> or above. I, I can't get there. I think he I think he goes somewhere between ten and twenty. Brownie, they to- they're totally ignored. It's like he's the elephant in the room. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. They I mean, anything's not possible. a single Not a single club brought him in on a top 30 visit. Come on, bro. Because they all the ACC defensive player of the year.
2: You got a bunch of those in the draft, conference defensive player of the year.
1: I get it. He's a good player. I think think he's going to have a good career, but man, I don't know. That to me speaks of teams that don't want anybody to know they're interested. Well, fine. He's a first uh, if he doesn't go in the first round, I'll be shocked. Oh no, he's going in the first round. Well, but he's there probably you go.
2: somewhere between 10 and 20. That's
1: where I think he See, comes off. See, if he's the going board. somewhere between 10 and 20, there should be 10 teams at least having him in on a top 30 visit.
2: Well, maybe and they they got, nobody did.
1: Maybe they know everything they need to know about him.
2: Dude, I mean, he fully tested at his pro day. You're not
1: taking somebody in the top 15 unless you know everything you need to know about him or unless well, yeah, you believe they're they're Aaron Donald in the making. Then you don't want anybody to know because you want to make sure they're not suspecting that you're going to take him. That's, what, that's what's happening right That's what's happening right there.
2: <laughs> All right. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe he is the second coming of Aaron Donald. Who knows? I'm Where did Aaron Donald go? 11th? I think he went 11th. I'll have to look it up. 11 or 12. I will do that in the break, uh, which is what we're going to do now. But we come back, hour number two, more of your phone calls and tweets on is there a prospect that would prompt you to trade up Two spots, just like the Bills did last year when they got Kyrie Elam. You let us know at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. We're also going to catch up with the executive producer of NFL Network's coverage of the 2023 NFL Draft. Charlie, you can join us. Let us know what we can expect on draft night on the NFL Network in our number two. Stay tuned.
0: Live, presented by Kaleida Health.
2: Hour number two on a Wednesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you talking NFL draft. And if there's a prospect that would prompt you to move up a couple of spots to grab, much like the Bills did last year when they moved up two spots, took Kair Elam as their players with first-round grades were dwindling quickly. And Brandon Bean made a proactive move to get up the board and get one of the last players they had with a first-round grade, who might you do that for this year? You can let us know at 803-0550, 550 2550 the number to get on board. Or you can hit us up on the tweet sheet at one Bills Live, which is where we go back to now, where Jake tells us, absolutely none. We'll almost always prefer more kicks at the can. Use both at the same position and have better odds to hit. So there's another guy in favor of trading back, adding draft capital, and then doubling up at whatever position you want to take. Wow. So he would go receiver-receiver or linebacker-linebacker or tackle-tackle or something like that. There's merit to moving back. There is. The analytics tell you that you have better odds of getting better value for your pick than you would trading up. But – if you get a good player, does anybody really care? I don't know what they do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, if you hit on the pick, nobody cares where you drafted him. You Or know? what you gave up to or get him. Or what you gave up to get him. If he's the right guy, he's the right guy. Yeah. Certainly does anybody
2: they'll... care that the Bills traded up to get Dawson Knox
1: in no. the third round? Yeah. No. I can't remember what they even traded him for. They you
2: traded know? up from round four to round three, bottom
1: of round three, to go get him, and I think they gave up another four to do it. So, if you get a starter out of it, nobody, you know. Yeah. I mean, I can get it too. You look back you look back at the Sammy Watkins trade. How's he going to live up to that? Yeah. They gave up a one the following year and they are won that year to get to 4. Yeah. That's you just it's hard. Uh, yeah. It goes back to that thing. How what are the expectations attached to the draft pick Can the guy live up to them and are you going to have enough patience if he doesn't get out of the blocks quickly? Yeah. Wandering Jack on the tweet sheet says Jackson Smith and Jigba or Zay
2: Flowers is who he would trade up for if they're sliding. Bills need speed and more weapons to keep up with KC, Cincy, Miami, and the AFC arms race. Would also consider moving up if a top-tier offensive tackle slid, but not DeWan Jones or Darnell Wright. Allen needs protection, and they're massive men, but no need to trade up for those two. So he's looking for... Top of the like tippy top of the chart for tackles, so right. I guess he's thinking like Skaronski or Paris Johnson right. or Broderick Jones, and I don't see any of those guys sliding into the mid twenties, so probably not in the cards. Uh, Big Rick says none in this draft. I'm moving down two spots if I can. So he might slide from 27 to 29. That would require a deal with the New Orleans Saints, who could be interested in moving up a couple of spots to maybe get the fifth quarterback if Hendon yeah, Hooker's Hennan still Hooker there, or
1: maybe Will Levis.
2: You know, they the Vegas, Las Vegas put odds out, Steve, on who's most likely to be the second quarterback off the board. You know, the lowest odds are now Will Levis over over C.J. Stroud to go second. Bryce Young first, and the the lowest odds to be the second quarterback off the board is now Will Levis. Yeah, but they might. Where does that? They might
1: be laying off money, though. You know, they might be putting him there so people start betting it. Okay. Betting other guys. Even out the money. Come on, bro. They don't have any idea what's going to happen. They just want to. They they know something. They're switching those. (laughs) No, they're switching those guys up. So that they can get money bet on some other guys. Yeah,
2: just move it around.
1: Yeah. They, J- they're, not, they're not betting the football end of it. They're betting the betters end of it. All right. They're betting on the betters.
2: Jake C. on the tweet sheet says, If Skaransky makes it to 2021, I'd definitely trade up. He's my top O-line prospect and can play guard or compete at right tackle. That's a guy that I don't think many people expect getting down there. But, hey, stranger things have happened. Uh, Bill's News Consolidated says Jackson Smith and Jigba is a player they would trade up for. Ed Helinski says he's only trading up for the second coming of Jesus. So that's um, – I didn't know he was in the draft pool this year. Yeah, if he is,
1: I'm, I would do that too. I would also. Um, Miracle worker. I mean, how can you argue with that? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you get – some people aren't interested. i am I am interested in more draft picks. And it would take a really, really good player – for me, not to take more draft. If I get two draft picks for any one player, I might do that. You know, at, particularly at twenty-seven, because are yeah. going to be twenty-six guys off the board. But the top twenty-six guys in this draft, you give me two draft picks for anybody that's left, I might. I have to. I almost have to take it. Especially if you're not moving back very far, even ten. Like, what maximum? What
2: ten picks? So you go from twenty-seven to thirty-seven. So you're still picking in the top six in round two. I'd take It'll it. It'll come up on you fast once you start day two, so it won't feel like a long wait. Right. But still, that's
1: two two extra picks. Well, so right. if you could get that one and what am I saying? That one and two others, or that one and one other, I'd say, depending on when it is, if it's that one and a and a top hundred pick, yeah, I'd take it. Or that one right. and a and a top hundred and a top 150 I'd take it for sure. All right, so let me let me go through your scenario
2: here quickly. Um, if you
1: all right, we got now we got to go to the value. You want to go Ugh.
2: from 27 to 37. 37 is 530, so they got to come up with 150 extra. So they would be giving you like pick 83 in round 3 along with pick 37. So you would have two twos and two threes making that move. Like that's what you would end up with at the yeah, end of two the day. Two twos and two threes because you're adding a two and you're adding a three. That's pretty good. And you wouldn't have a one though. So you'd have four picks in the top ninety-one.
1: That I might make. Yeah. For sure. I could be talked into that. Uh, that's where the you know you get a lot of good, Seattle has really thirty-seven good, by the way really good value in yeah. the draft right there in every draft. We have to turn now
2: to NFL Network executive producer Charlie Yuke, who is going to be putting together, once again, the 2023 NFL Draft telecast, the three-day marathon that is the NFL Draft on NFL Network. He uh, kind of shed some light on what's in store for this week's telecast. Live from Kansas City next week, here is Charlie. All right, Charlie, so let's begin here. When the heck do you have to get out to KC? How soon does that happen now that we're just about a week out?
0: Yeah, we've got people traveling later this week to set up the infrastructure. A lot of the folks from the league have been there for weeks already. I get out there and our production team gets out there Sunday and Monday, so next week the around the 24th.
1: At this current moment, what's the cast? I mean, how many bits of talent do you have? And, and obviously you got 32 locations you got to hook up.
0: Yeah, so, um, you know, for the first time in a while, we have a consistent cast on our TV set, so night one. And night two, we're looking at Rich Eisen, Daniel Jeremiah, Charles Davis, and Joel Klatt. So we feel like we've got every base covered there. Uh, Kurt Warner will join us. On Thursday night, obviously, with a huge quarterback lean and him being a Hall of Famer, Ian Rappaport will be our insider, and Melissa Stark will be conducting the on-stage interviews. Night two stays the same for us. Uh, the only difference is we swap out Kurt with uh, Good Morning Football's Peter Schringer. Right. Uh, day three, we'll have a you know we'll we'll go back and forth between LA and Kansas City. But the first two nights are uh, pretty consistent, pretty rock solid.
2: And right. what kind of prep has to go into now that this thing is you know moving from city to city, year to year? i got to imagine there's going back to square one to some degree in terms of setup and planning. And, you know, you've got an iconic backdrop there at Union Station in KC. but And as great as that is, you do have to kind of start over again, right? How long a process does that
0: take? Yeah, this has become – now it's a great question. It's it's very similar to Super Bowl planning. So the draft is like our off-season Super Bowl. We were starting to go out there. um, You know, our partners, ABC, ESPN, the league, NFL media group, we, we went out in the summer. Uh, my trip there also, you know, we took a trip out in December and January. So the plans have been in, in place now for months. Um, the building's already begun. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's fair to say this thing has now become the off-season Super Bowl almost. And I think How- I think your fans agree. I think those fans would agree that just the tone and temperature of what the draft has become, I mean, it's a, it's a passionate night for a lot of folks.
1: Absolutely. What, what is the roster? What's the number of players you've got video on?
0: Who <laughs> got? No, that's a great question. I think we have Steve. I think we have over six hundred players, right? Um, and eighteen hundred individual pieces of tape. So we try to stay in that number, right? Just just because we do uh, our favorite uh, game show, Stump the Truck, yeah. on day three to see what video we have. I know a lot of people like doing that. Hashtag Stump the Truck. But no, it's it's a good number. Um, obviously we put the focus on the players that are at the top, so they'll have more tapes. But we try to make sure that you know. Every individual that could be drafted in the league is represented with some playing footage.
2: So Charlie, last year only one quarterback in round one, Kenny Pickett, as we know. This year looks like it's gonna be a lot more different than that. How how much do you just let the quarterbacks be the driving force of night one, knowing that's very likely we're very likely to see four, maybe even five quarterbacks in round one?
0: Yeah, you guys know this. I mean, you know, 17 is a, is a pillar for not only the Bills, but for the league. Like, we we this league is built on quarterbacks. It's not a secret. To have more quarterbacks in the first round is a good thing. To have chaos and trades move up and down is a good thing. So we've built our plans much um, like anything else, right? God laughs at plans. Our plans are that the quarterbacks will go pretty early in the top, but who knows what could happen. And if a quarterback like Hendon Hooker does slip into the first round, we're ready to pivot there. But drafts are made with the, with the name brand recognition. So in this particular draft, you know, Kenny was a great player. He went to the right place, one quarterback in the first round. If we have four selected here, let's say in the top five, that, that only generates interest for everybody who's consuming this product. And and we feel like, you know, we're ready with the tapes and the stories to tell on each of these quarterbacks, but yeah, it's, it would be great if there's some movement at the top and we, we see some teams, maybe the bills want to move all the way up. Who knows? But, um, it's, um, it's something we're looking forward to and we're ready to go and we're a week out but we're ready.
1: do you have somebody physically and uh, two questions one do you have somebody physically on site at all 32 locations or at 33 with Kansas City there and at, at the at Arrowhead out at the stadium where they're going to be do you have somebody at all 31 sites and how's that work with your partnership with ESPN
0: yeah. So technically we do because there's, you know, with the draft rooms, the war rooms for the clubs, we're setting up all that infrastructure, you know, and, and helping our partners with ABC and ESPN as far as talent, it'll be, you know, a little bit more measured, but as far as presence everywhere, Steve, all 32 teams will be represented in the broadcast at some point, even clubs that don't have a pick, like, you know, obviously Miami forward, they're picking the first round. There's teams that don't have picks in the first round, but we're ready to go in case there's movement. So there is representation of all 32 teams.
2: Talking with NFL Network executive producer Charlie Yuku who is running the show of the uh, 2023 NFL draft from Kansas City, April 27th to 29th. Is there is there some way that you try to tweak things ever so slightly, Charlie, from one year to the next where, you know, I mean, I know there are staples that are enormously popular every year. You already mentioned Stump the Truck, which I love. Um, that, that's the only thing that – makes me last until the very end when I still have work to do. I still have it on in the background because I want to hear stump the truck. Um, but are there other elements that you guys kind of commiserate about and say, hey, how can we maybe tweak this? Or how can we maybe make this more interesting
0: this year? Yeah, look, I think there's a couple of parts of that. The home city and the home club has to be something that we, you know, touch upon. So we can't City, most people think barbecue. There's definitely going to be a barbecue theme. We've got jazz, you know, jazz, can't see one of the birthplace of jazz. We've got jazz music kind of woven throughout our coverage and um, our open, which should be very special at 8 o'clock Eastern on Thursday night on NFL Network. So the the home, the hub city itself becomes a character, but it, it's super important, fellas, as you know. It's not just about the team that's on the clock. It's being able to connect to all the teams so being able to talk about what's going on at one, but still looking ahead of what's going to happen at two with Houston. If let's say Bryce Young is the first pick, how does that affect the Texans? What are they looking at? What does that mean? Maybe we're trading back. So we always want to touch upon like the bigger, everything's got, got to be bigger than the actual you know player that that's being selected and, and the team that's on the clock. And I feel like our guys do a really good job of that with, you know, Rich Eisen, as you guys know, he's, he's, he's the ringleader on this one. So, um, we feel like that—that's important part, just making sure. Like I, I've used this phrase with you guys before: it's the hub and the spoke model, where the hub is definitely Kansas City, but we want to make sure that we still have touchdowns you know, to everything—not just the 32 teams, but the 32 fan bases. Because ultimately, the craziest part of this, guys, you know, this there's, there's absolutely zero football being played on a single blade of grass, but everyone's just tuned in to be like, oh, this guy could be pretty incredible someday for my team, and that's what we want to hit upon. It's a celebration, and I think we should all be, you know, looking forward to it. And one
1: of the interesting parts about this broadcast is, you know, I don't know what time of day it's going to start or, like, how, how long of a run-up you have until that first pick. Uh, but they don't really care how long it lasts. I mean, this thing is, like, there's no back end to this broadcast, right? And, and on NFL Network, what do you guys care? It's it's your league. and But this is one of the few times when, you know, you kind of take, well, we'll, we'll squeeze a commercial break in whenever we can, right? I mean, because there's no set – time frame for these picks you know it could you could get the first five picks bang 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 uh, although I think you probably ask these clubs maybe to give us a couple of minutes to digest this before we make that next pick I don't know how much of that goes into it give us some insight as to the timing of this thing and the fact that you don't care if it goes until you know Friday morning let alone that but the top could go really fast or really slow
0: yeah, we, it's also based on who's there, right? Because as you know, Steve, you, you guys know this. There's commercials, there's interviews on stage, there's lulls. Some teams take longer than others. Ideally, it's great if a club takes about five minutes, then you can get a little analysis in from the prior pick, analysis in before the, this, the team that's on the clock currently. Um, but, yeah, it's catch-as-catch-can, and the editorial drive this. So if the quarterback did go one through four, I don't – know if we're going to be able to take a commercial break i don't know how long that could be the first hour I and mean, then we're looking at a like you said a night that goes well past midnight eastern but no one's going anywhere right guys you guys know this and then the bills fans especially they're going to stick around probably from 1 to 27 and and maybe you know a couple of books left stay through the end so yeah we're not it's it's we don't have anything that we have a post game that we got to do until you know NFL total access each night after the show but um there really is no time clock. You know, there's like, you know, right now baseball is talking about their pitch clock. We don't have that. Right now. So the, the inside is this, Steve, like we, we all go into there with ABC, ESPN, ourselves, uh, the broadcast, you know, department at the league, the clubs. We, we just say, you, you know, if you want us to do due diligence on these picks, feel free to take time. You know, you don't have to be rushed, but you guys know this. some clubs just want to get it in, get it out and be done. With it. So it averages about three and a half, four hours. Uh, it's been that way for a while now, so that's what we target, you know, with our commercial inventory and what we're doing. But, um, yeah, it's controlled chaos. There's another way around it. Like, at some point, like, the, the show is happening on, on the screens, whatever you're looking at, but there's also a, an interesting show in, in the broadcast trucks that are going on through ABC, ESPN, and the all that. So. Yeah. The
2: last one I've got for you, Charlie, I think this is the first time since the draft has been on the move that the host city is also the Super Bowl champion. How How, as much as it pains me to say this, how might you weave some of their championship pedigree of this past season into the telecast?
0: Yeah, so there's. I think you're gonna. I won't give up a lot. I think, and I know it paints some folks there. You're probably gonna see some familiar faces from the team uh, to open. Um, the Chiefs have been great. They're all in on, on being the, the you know the host club for this. Like I said, there's going to be a ton of barbecue. But I think the biggest thing that's going to you know, resonate for everyone, football fans, is their parade. They, they had a million people show up. Just imagine now that it's not just the Chiefs group showing up. We're, we're in the, the heartland of America with so many fans that can get here uh, to watch this draft happen. We feel like this is going to be a super special night, very remnant of what we saw in Nashville, if you recall, down Broadway or Philadelphia when they filled the entire, you know, Rocky steps, like this could be something special. I think all 32 fan bases will show up and we're expecting, you know, three great days.
1: Charlie, it's great talking to you again, a traditional, unlike any other, thanks for coming on with unlike us again you. this year. We can't wait to see you
0: again. Thanks fellas. Love talking to you.
1: Yeah. Take care. Now that's Charlie. Uke,
2: NFL network executive producer You're going to be running the show for the 2023 NFL draft from Kansas city, April 27th to 29th on the NFL network. We will take a break here, be back with more on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Some AFC East news. Tua Tagovailoa spoke today for the first time since he was cleared from concussion protocol back in January, uh, about three or four weeks after the Dolphins' season had ended. And... Um, Tua basically revealed that he had discussed the idea of retiring from football altogether after the season with his family, but he ultimately decided to keep playing. He admits that this is about his health and his life, but he thinks continuing his playing career is what is best for him and his family. He also expressed how his young son is someone he hopes can get to an age where he's old enough to know what he's watching and see his dad play. We've talked about this, Steve. Three, possibly four concussions in a short period of time, basically about four months' time. We know in close proximity they are more damaging to your long-term health. He gets another one early this season. That would be potentially five in a calendar year. Plus a dislocated fractured hip right. as a senior in college. So, is playing long enough so your son's old enough to know that he's watching his dad play worth your long-term health?
1: I don't know. I don't know if that's a
2: good enough reason. I'm sure working. there are others. Yeah, I'm
1: sure. I don't know that that's I'm a sure good that's enough reason. i sure that's not the only reason. I don't think that's a good – not for long-term health. No. no. I, I, I mean um, – your son can watch videotape of say you
2: playing. Th- yeah, isn't it more important to have a life with your son, like for the next
1: fifty years of his life? Yeah, I'll say this though, and I don't want to—I don't want to belittle or or understate, you know, the consideration Tua might have given retirement. But I think almost every player does that every season, even Josh. This is a little different, though, isn't it? In our perception, it is. But the, the consideration is still there for everybody. OK, because I've, you have to because it's a you got to collect yourself after the season, man. You're you're beat up and you're mentally worn down. So every guy thinks like, OK, where do I stand now? Am I going to go on? Am I? Are they going to have me back? Am I going to be able to be back? If I quit, what happens? If, it, if you know, if you call that considering retirement, every single player in the league does it. And I think they all do. This seems to me, obviously, like what you're talking about, a little bit more than that for Tua. And I'm sure his family chimed in on this. He's got a big, strong family. Uh, His parents, siblings, obviously his family, you know, with his son. Um, Yeah, I think this probably was a little bit more than just thinking what life would be like if he didn't play. I think he's thinking, all right, should I play? That's a difference. And, you know, I don't – yeah, that – it's a real thing.
2: It's a brain injury. Yeah, He had three documented concussions. I think we would
1: all think that he had four based on what we saw in week three. And he knows the truth of it, right? I mean, he, he lied about the Whether back injury. Whether a doctor injury. diagnosed it or not. Right. He he lied about it to the doctor so he could get back on the field. All right, we all so saw him stagger. So there's four right there. Um, you get a
2: fifth in a calendar year? I mean, that's Kevin Cobb territory. Kevin Cobb got three concussions with the Arizona Cardinals in very short proximity from one another, and I watched him get one of those concussions against the Bills in 2012. Bills out in Arizona. That was the game they won in overtime on a field goal. Alex Carrington blocked a field goal. Jairus Bird had a couple of interceptions. They win the game 19-16. Kevin Cobb left that game early with a concussion. I got down to the locker room early before the game had been forced into overtime. I watched Kevin Cobb getting wheeled out on a stretcher to an ambulance to go to the hospital in the bowels of that stadium. And I'm telling you, remember when we saw Luke Kuechly crying after a concussion, like uncontrollably sobbing as he was coming off the field? And I, I don't know about you, but I had never seen a reaction like that. But that was like his fifth or sixth concussion of his career. It just triggered a response in his brain where he was just, Uncontrollably weeping on the field. It was really disturbing. Yeah, Yeah, it was disturbing. Kevin Cobb was doing that on the stretcher on the way to the ambulance. Then he signed with the Bills because he was supposed to start the next year and they were going to let EJ learn on the job after being a first round pick. Kevin Cobb gets a concussion in the third preseason game here, gets a kick to the back of the head when he slides. He never played football again. Yeah. That was his fifth concussion. In a calendar year, and I know every case is different, Steve. But yeah, close severity, proximity the is no has a joke. Lot to do with
1: it as well, but yeah, the so, closer they are together.
2: So let me flip this around for you and ask you this: The Dolphins know what's up. Okay, their backup quarterback is Mike White, formerly of the Jets. Their third-string quarterback is Skylar Thompson, their seventh-round pick last year. If you're the Miami Dolphins, you don't have a first-round pick this year. Are you drafting another quarterback? Or th- trying to trade for one that upgrades your room, or do you just wait until
1: next year and see if Tua gets hurt? Knowing where I'm at with the Dolphins right now, if I'm them, I'm taking it out of gear, and I'm saying we're going to live and die with Tua. And if he goes down in week two, we can all, we can always just say, hey, it wasn't our fault; it, it was Tua's fault. We're just going to we get a then we get a high draft pick next year, and we take you know. A quarterback. Take the guy, whoever it is, okay. or trade for one. So all the eggs are in the two-a-basket this I year. I think they have to be, yeah. Okay. I think they have to be. I mean, and you I, don't have I, a one this year. That makes <clears> it even harder. And I th- Right, exactly. And I think because of that, they can say, oh, we got stabbed in the back by an injury. It's not our fault kind of thing. And I think I would do that and put myself right back in the thing where I'm paying my head coach to lose games for me. And go back to the draft that way. I'm, I'm telling you right now, one more.
2: One more might be all it takes for him. Might just be one more. And he he's not the guy because these have – and look, I'm not a doctor, but I'm just going based on what I've seen in this league before, Kevin Cobb being the prime example of this. Those are a lot of concussions in a short proximity of time. Science has said when they happen in close proximity, they are more damaging, and the effects of the next one are even more severe
1: than the previous one. Right. Unless you're completely 100% over the first one, right, you are more susceptible to getting a second one, and it will take less force to give you the second one. And subsequently, if you don't heal up from the second one, it takes even less to give you the third, exactly. and the fourth, and the fifth, and it gets less and less before too long. If you sneeze hard, you've got a concussion. Right. That's that's how bad it is for these guys. That's what happened to guys I played with. Al Toon was that way. Uh, Merrill Hodge, same thing. It's, it gets into a cycle where you spiral down where it doesn't take anything to give you a concussion because you haven't healed. Kevin Cobb, 2012, November, gets his fourth documented.
2: Doesn't play the rest of that year. Signs with the Bills in the offseason. Gets his fifth concussion in his third preseason game in August. August. Never Plays again. We didn't see him here at the facility the rest of the year. I mean, he was struggling. Dark rooms. Yes. All that it's, stuff. It's not. Never pretty. Never came back. Here. Not pretty.
1: I had guys, and then ultimately retired. I had a friend of mine say he, it was so bad for him. He was recovering, and he and every day he felt wow. He 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 said a couple of things to me. It, it was. He gave me the whole story. He said, "Wow." I'd wake up and I said, "Wow." I'm. Oh my gosh. I'm. I feel like I came out of it today, right? Like this was weeks, at, a couple of weeks after. Mm-hmm. And he did that, and it kept happening. Another day, he'd wake up and he says, wow, now I really am, I'm out of the, <laughs> now I'm out of the, it, he felt every, you know, plateau, he felt like he was at another level of consciousness where he thought Clarity. he was normal until the next one happened. And he wasn't, he hadn't been, thought he was. And he said one time his wife cooked him some some eggs, and he's sitting there eating eggs and watching TV and stuff. And he was the eggs were really hot. He you know pulls eggs. He's watching TV. Blows on the he's trying to blow on the eggs to cool them off. He looks down and and it's and it's a, a tangerine, a slice of a tangerine. He's trying to cool off a slice of tangerine to stick in his mouth. Because it felt hot to him, or he didn't realize it. He was didn't a tangerine. know what he was doing. Wow. And this was like a month after. It takes forever. And that was him after getting a subsequent subsequent concussions, concussions, concussions. This was right. not a guy I played with. This was not a guy that wasn't on my team. is was on another team. And this was years later where he related to me how it had gone for him. And it was, you know, that's where you're at. I know I had tons of, con- I say tons, a bunch of concussions. Three, in- and this is why I have a problem with a- an ethical problem with the me myself blaming the NFL for any yeah. injuries. I had 3 c- documented concussions that were severe for me in college at Northwestern University. Okay. So what am I going to do? Blame the NFL for all my problems? My first concussion was when I was 8 years old at a basketball camp. You know, so what am I going to do? Blame the the NFL because I got they yeah. got the last one? You know, I that's and that's the NFL. I had heard if they were going to come to it, they were going to do that for all the players. Well, you, you had concussions at Mississippi State, you had concussions at USC. What are you blaming us for? You know that kind of thing. Every kid who comes through the pi- pipeline who's done any kind, like soccer players. You know, soccer yep. is a big one. Yep. Because of the, you know, you get a young kid does a header off well, a hard kick, or two people clunk, or heads two people clunk going up for a header. It's it's constant. It's a real issue, and that's that's the issue for sports because concussions are scary. They're not. they you know knee injuries serious. Concussions scary because it's a brain injury. Exactly, you, you, there's a there's always that that thought of all of us lay people that you could be somebody, you could become somebody else, or not remember your friends. You you would you wouldn't be brownie anymore. You'd be somebody else because of a brain con- injury, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's that's the scary part about it. And that's why this guy but, thing with Tua, think considering about co- retirement, is real. Well, yeah,
2: and that's why I'm. Look, I mean, put the rivalry and all that other stuff aside. I'm just. I just don't want to see something happen to him where we were like, oh, man, like this is not good. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to see even that Bills fans, happen to anybody.
1: Even Bills fans don't want to go down and watch a Bills-Miami game in 10 years and have Tua have to show up in a wheelchair. Right? I just You don't want that for the guy. My concern is he's out of
2: mulligans. Like, do you know what right. I mean? Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm just worried the next one's going to be the last one
1: and he's going to be out of the league, like, done. Same thing we think about with Mitch Morse. He's been through this, and he seems to have a handle on it, you know? But he's, you know, in the same kind of – he's down that path a little further probably, although he has had – you know, he's spread his out, it seems like, except for the the one year he spent in Kansas City. But you get these guys nowadays, too – If you get – and this is – I'm just taking this for granted. I haven't talked to anybody about it, but the the helmets are very different nowadays. And they have new ones this year for quarterbacks specifically. Right. And you can – and a guy like Mitch Morris could say, listen, give me a quarterback helmet. You know? And I would. I would get one of these – it would look comical, the size of it. We used to make fun of Mark Kelso, and his had nothing to do with concussions. His had to do with migraines. He got hit one time, and then he lost vision because it went down, you know, t- tunnel, vision. tunnel vision, and it happened a lot, he was cognitively okay, but his, he'd lose vision, so he had the big helmet, you do it, like, yeah, give me the big helmet, if it means I can play pro football and do right. it safely, yeah. yeah, it's, I just,
2: you know, I don't know Tua at all, like, right. I don't know him or whatever, but. I just don't want to see. And look, I get it. He's a competitive person. He wants to keep playing. He's very young in his career. I mean, the guy was in the 2020 draft, for goodness sakes. He's played three years. I just I just hope he's making the right call here. Because anything can happen on a field on any given Sunday, as we know and as we've seen. And I just think he's out of he's out of mulligans with the amount of concussions he's had in the last six months. And I just hope that. The worst doesn't happen to him and prematurely end his career. And
1: I and I know, too, you and I believe and have talked about it. We were really facetious about it when it happened, when he when he went down in the Bills game, when Milano – actually, Milano got a penalty when he two-handed – He just him he, shoved him. He banged his head on the ground like we saw him do later in the season for the last concussion that he got uh, where he came back and the next day is when they got de- diagnosed. Um, we've been facetious about it, but that's Well, it was true. more about the handling of it than him suffering one. The problem has always The handling been. of it was common. Well, here's the problem. The 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 problem is this. You're asking every doctor will tell you and and it's it's common. We all know it. The doctor basically says how you feel and you got to give him feedback. You you got to protect the player from himself. He's going to lie to you cuz he wants to play even when he's loopy. Yeah that's the way they are. So somehow some way you got to take their feedback out of it. And that's impossible at the po- at the moment. I don't know how they're going to do it unless they've got something right there hook him up quick. Boom. Can he go back in? No. <laughs> you know? You you can't let the player have a voice and that's crazy because he's the patient. That's the problem. Yeah. It's one of those it's it's one of those situations where there's no easy answer. I'm not, I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not wishing the guy
2: success when he plays against the Bills, but man, I just hope he can get through a season healthy for his sake and his long term health for him and his family. We got to take a break here. When we come back, Steve and I close it up with some final thoughts on the tweet sheet. Would you trade up a couple of spots for a certain prospect? We'll see what you have to say next. you on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back on One Bills Live. Some final thoughts on the tweet sheet in terms of who you might trade up just a couple of spots for, like the Bills last year did to get Kyrie Elam. Dr. M on the tweet sheet says, Darnell Wright. Pulsar22 says, Bijan Robinson. Tim says, Njigba. Buffalo fan says, None. And then go back. Go Bills says, position-wise, it should only be
1: for a quarterback. Well, we ain't taking a quarterback. Right. So there, yeah. The
2: Bills did that in 2018 uh, when they traded up for Josh. That same year, they also traded up for a middle linebacker in Tremaine Edmonds. And last year, as we know, they traded up for a corner, Kyer Elam. Those are Um, their three trades up in round one since Brandon Bean has overseen the draft
1: for the Bills. Yeah, so it, he said it's just as likely to trade out as a trade up or trade back as a trade up. Maybe. Um, still, it's going to be riveting TV, and we're, tomorrow will be a week away. Ooh. Dun, 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 dun. Just think about it. That's <laughs>
2: it uh, for us today. We remind you to join us tomorrow at 1. We'll have ESPN's Matt Bowen on with us to sc- discuss some of these NFL prospects. We'll see you at 1.